Welcome to The Butterfly Effect. I'm your host, Francis Lee Rogers, and each episode I'll interview a different female leader in sustainability on how they navigate the emotions of working in this space at this time in history. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get stuck in. Welcome to another episode of The Butterfly Effect. We've got um, another great guest again this week. Um, I'm going to pass over to Claire to introduce herself. Claire. Thank you for having me. So, hi, I'm Claire Brook. Um, I am Standency Lead in Boston Scientific, we're a corporate medical device company. Um, I've been in sustainability, well, formally, only this year I, I transitioned into a formal sustainability role, um, but have been involved in uh, aspects of sustainability for a number of years um, within my company and outside my company. Uh, going to some local schools, talking about science, uh, women in science and sustainability. Um, and for me, it's been such a critical part of my life and for so long, and it's such a, you know, been such an important consideration for me that it matters so much to be able to marry my personal ethics and my personal drive with my role, which is what took me to this transition and just into a sustainability focused role. Thank you, Claire, for that introduction. Um, well, um, I'm really keen, I'm sure our listeners will be as well, to understand a little bit about, kind of, a bit more about where you got to, your journey to the role that you're currently in and, and why you do what you do. Yeah. So um, I was very fortunate. I spent much of my childhood in South Africa and uh, we lived on a farm. And so, you know, lots of the challenges that come with living on a farm in a country that has, you know, a well very variable climate. Um, so, you know, we had drought and water scarcity, uh, fires at times. Um, so being very aware of, um, even this is in, through into the late 90s, um, into the early 2000s, being aware of some of the increasing frequency of, you know, the amount and intensity of drought and, and uh, the intensity of fires. And actually, South Africa, uh, Cape Town was one of the first cities a few years ago, first uh, city to really almost run out of water. So, you know, growing up there, I felt it very acutely. And, and also on my way to school, we used to drive past the landfill where people in their shacks were living on the landfill. So it's really that sort of marrying that, um, seeing, you know, the environmental aspects, but also the real social aspects. And I clearly remember seeing um, a fire, one of the fire season fire behind all these shacks. You've got people who have nowhere to go. They're living in shacks on a landfill. You know, it's just the epitome of the challenges that as this climate crisis progresses, we are you know, the people who are most vulnerable are the ones who are being most impacted. So that's always up in the back of my mind. But then, um, you know, it, it became more apparent to me when I became a parent, when I had my son, he's now 10. Um, and for me, first of all, it's the awareness of the amount of rubbish, the amount of plastic and waste. So once you start going down that rabbit hole and, you know, you really start sort of looking and evaluating that, you see, obviously then start realizing all of the other knock-on effects so it really was very, very personal. And as I became increasingly aware of the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis, again, growing up in a country where, you know, you, you see such beauty and biodiversity around you and coming back to the UK and suddenly realizing that, you know, all the butterflies I used to see, I just don't see them anymore. Without all the birds, they're just, you know, the diversity has just completely dropped off. So it, it feels very, very personal. And I feel it's so important that I can do what I can but I can say to my son, I can look him in the eye and say, I, I did what I could. You know, we're all doing the right thing. And 
So um, I work on purpose driven, obviously. Um, I work in a company that saves patients' lives. So to be able to marry the idea of saving patients' lives and having that real impact on patients, but also the impact on planet was, you know, just absolutely critical to me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and tell us a little bit about kind of the, um, kind of what, what, pa- what the passion is for you. Like how you describe um, yourself as being passionate and you talk about that um, a bit. You know, tell me a bit more about kind of that passionate part of Claire and what that means. Um, so I am, as you can probably tell, I'm, you know, very enthusiastic, very passionate. If anyone's going to describe me, those are the two words that generally come up the most. Um, but it's driven by a sense of, say, a sense of purpose, a sense of, you know, really feeling that, um, particularly when we think around sustainability and the climate crisis, um, this is a problem that we all face. It impacts the wider population around us. It impacts, you know, everything that we do and touch. So to me, my passion translates into being able to feel that, um, you know, I'm able to drive the sense of purpose forward. And this is how I communicate with people as well. You know, I find that um, sometimes you have to tone it down a little bit, get a bit overexcited. Um, But the passion also tends to bring people along. And, you know, I also believe if you're not passionate about something, then you're not doing something that's really important to you, that you spend so much of your life, particularly in work, you know, you're doing so, spend so much of that time. So if you can't do something that fills you with passion, that you really feel strongly about, then, you know, are you, are you doing the right thing? It's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really interested to understand with all of that you talked about um, and within the context of, you know, where we are in the climate crisis, the tipping points, the scientific kind of warnings that are getting increasingly um, desperate, um, and you know, and we're recording this on 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 Black Friday, running up to Christmas, where typically everybody goes out and spends a load of money on things that perhaps not always needed, wanted. Um, I'm really keen to understand how you how do you manage the emotions of being really passionate within the context of of that what we're surrounded with every day. I think the realization is very easy to get caught up in this so it can be a real challenge when you you know it's something's important to you in your personal life and it's something that you're doing in your professional life it becomes very hard at times to separate that personal and that professional identity um so but i do think you know there is and this is where again to me the passion comes through is it is something that's so important so i think you can you know, be able to take it through into both aspects of your life. And you have to realize that by you working in the space, so by working in sustainability or having touching it in some way, you're doing hard work. You know, this is this is the work that matters and this is hard work. So the first thing I'd say is, you know, you've got to give yourself credit for that, that you're stepping out there and you're doing something that is important and it's hard work. So being kind to yourself, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I quite often say, do as I say, don't do as I do. I'm not always the best at being kind to myself. And I'm also realizing that there are, because of, you know, having to step out there into this space and being a the challenge of separating out those two identities, um, you have to be kind to yourself. You're here, you're showing up, you're doing something hard. And you're living your values. So the other piece is you really have to get comfortable with imperfection. So we're existing in a society that isn't perfect. We are surrounded by it. But as long as you're doing what you can, say personally and professionally, 
you know, we are in, imperfect. So I, I love, um, I'm a member of the Green Runners. Uh, oh. Running is one of my passions as well. And I'm a member of the Green Runners. And I love uh, Damien Hall, who's an amazing ultra runner. And he's one of the co-founders of the Green Runners. He talks about and uses his platform on both the national and international circuit to speak at. And, you know, he talks about the fact we are, we are all hypocrites in this space. Um, this is the society we live in. And, you know, but what we can do is take action on that so we can speak out. We can make sure we're doing these things and focusing on them better than our roles at work. You know, there is things that we can do as imperfect actors in an imperfect world. I really love that. Imperfect actors, uh, perfect actors in an imperfect world. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, isn't it? I get that sense of what you're saying is, uh, you know, we so often can fall into that judgment space where we're going, oh, well, what are they doing? You know, they're not doing enough or I'm not doing enough and you hold yourself accountable. Actually, let's take away that judgment and let, let's just encourage each other to do as much as we can because in that community of encouragement is where we're going to make the shifts. That's where it's going to move the needle, isn't it? Totally. I think, you know, we are dry, trying to drive change. So I look at, you know, the job I'm doing within my organization, um, we're trying to drive change. We're changing behaviors. We're changing the way that we do things. We're changing the way business is being done. And change is hard. And it doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, and this is where, you know, also I like to reflect on where I was before. Before I knew what I know now and before I was focused on what I know now, how I felt about things. So trying to frame it and put it in context and of how other people are, where they are on their journey can also be really helpful. So change doesn't come overnight. Um, you have to be frustratingly patient at times. But the thing that's also important is to, is to celebrate your wins, no matter how small they are or how small they feel, because every win counts and every win matters. So you have to celebrate that. Yeah, I love that. And, um, I absolutely love that. Yeah, and it's, it is so important. We just constantly, as human beings, our brains are hardwired, aren't they, to look for the negative, to look for that potential threat. But actually, if we just take a moment and, and like you said, identify and celebrate even those little win rules, you know, um, with a bit of reflection throughout the week or a bit of reflection about about the month or the year, you know, this time of year, we're, not, we're starting to look back, aren't we, and what we've achieved and what we want to do yes. this year and all that type of thing, um, that crazy time. So, yeah, it's um, just putting the emphasis on just looking back, not always going what still needs to be done. Yeah, and it goes back to the initial thing of, you know, in order to get through this, some of the emotions is being kind to yourself as well. So it really is identifying where have I actually managed to make change and learning from the places that maybe, you know, you, you weren't so successful, you had that conversation with someone, it didn't go so well. Okay, what can you take from that and how you, can you apply those learnings next time? Um, I mean, one of the other big things I find, you know, and it's I, I hear it, it's really common. In these types of roles, you are also seem to be everything to everyone. And that's peak pressure, um, you know, because it, whether it's, you know, resource, actual physical resources. There aren't many people or you're the only one working in the space. But also because we know there's a knowledge gap and because there's a need for change, it is easy to be overwhelmed by being everything to everyone. So having sometimes even having just make sure you have those boundaries in place. So learning to say no, learning to delegate out, you know, really looking at actually what can you do to both protect yourself emotionally, but also just to be more effective 
because you can't do everything that everyone wants and because you can't do everything yourself. And you've also got to give others the opportunity to take leadership on. You know, you can't do it alone anyway. And other people need to also take some of the load and lead themselves. And I find the, the big piece around this is collaboration. Um, you know, the overwhelm, the overload, the being everyone, everything to everyone, that sort of sense. Actually, you don't need to have that. You can step away from it with collaboration and bringing other people along with you and making sure you're surrounding by yourself by people who are engaged or helping them to get to being more engaged. Yeah. Um, and I'm really interested to understand kind of what do you use, what support around you do you have to, to do some of what you just described um, there, Claire? What do you kind of pull in? Um, well, a number of different aspects. So, you know, I'm fortunate and has actually in most sort of organisations as well, if you work in an organisation, there are people with passion. There are people who are engaged in the topic who maybe don't know how to get involved. And it's tapping into some of those people and, again, sharing the load and trying to find think creatively as well about how you can um, approach problems and how you can, you know, engage more broadly. And the other thing I, I find really, really helpful is... Um, talking to other people outside, getting a sense, you know, we're all in the same boat. When you start talking to people, you realize, you know, what you're feeling, what you're struggling with, you are not unique in this at all. You know, this is one of the the most helpful things is find other people that you can use as sounding boards. Find your tribe. Yeah. You know, people who are not in the space, who are not necessarily focused on, because again, going back to the start, sustainability is hard. It feels all encompassing because it's personal and it's professional, you don't have that sort of that clear line that you can go home and you can sleep easily or you can be awake at three in the morning because you haven't done a few job, few tasks mm. instead of being awake at three o'clock in the morning because it's an existential crisis that's impacting all of us. Yeah. Um, if you're not in the space and you're not in that mindset, it's hard to understand. So finding people who get it is just so important and it's such a, it's such a joy. Um, I've been... I find this sort of through, obviously, I've got a few people within the organization I work in who, who get it. Um, one of my colleagues in particular, her and I call each other up and go, oh, my gosh. And it really helps. <laughs> and the other thing, actually, and this is where I know that we connected, was through LinkedIn. It's been such a fantastic way of networking um, because it's people in the sustainability space. No matter where you are in the space, no matter what you're doing, um, there seems to be just this feeling of collaboration and this feeling of, you know, we are in it together. We need to go together on this journey, but we don't get there individually. And um, there's a, a, you know, a, a lady in the NHS um, that, uh, that I work, we work with a lot. And um, she always says, you know, this is a journey. We, we all get there or none of us get there. And it's the same, you know, across this whole space as we all have to get there together. So this whole collaboration and, you know, sounding boards, using people within the broader industry as sounding boards is incredibly helpful and just you feel heard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that, yeah. Um, so I guess I'm really interested to understand a little bit about how you, um, throughout your career, have kind of developed your um, your unique leadership style, kind of um, perhaps embracing everything that is uniquely female yes um i think as as women we tend to approach the idea of leadership whether it's directly leading people or you know leading within a business or leading within a space we 
seem to approach it on a more collaborative basis. And that's certainly true for me. I take so much pleasure in surrounding myself with people with, you know, very different ways of thinking to me, very different skills, very different competencies, and really love, you know, having this sort of sharing of ideas, taking, you know, the great things that people are saying and bring it all together into something that makes sense, you know, building out a strategy or, you know, really coming with some sort of innovative innovative proposal that comes from all of these wonderful different people. So to me, you know, that it's always been collaboration is absolutely fundamental to success in, in leadership. And the other things like, you know, again, even as, as part of that collaboration, it's really working out how you can encourage people to have the courage to stand up, to share their innovative thoughts, to share their creativity, to really allow them to take, you know, the center, the center stage and, um, you know, encouraging that independence um, and ownership uh, and accountability, you know, that comes with just, you know, being say, you're here, you're heard, you know, you're supported, be brave, stand up, share these great ideas that you're coming with. Lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, what you're talking about there is kind of like psychological safety and making people feel as though you know there isn't um there's no risk or there's low risk in them speaking out and telling what they think um, yeah and our role as leaders is actually to make sure everybody gets, gets that opportunity to input so yeah of effort not um not perhaps a more traditional way of leadership which is do what i say because i know what i'm doing yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that type of leadership at all. And I mean, I've, yeah, I've experienced, and I'm, I feel incredibly fortunate. I think that's one of the things that has really given me the sense of who I am as a leader is that I have seen other strong women leaders and have modelled that behaviour for me. And so, one of the things that I think is incredibly valuable is having someone like that as a mentor, or at least someone like that who you can look up to and engage with, and you know, share challenges back with because they get it you know and um i i had again recently um i've had the most wonderful female leader and she's just sort of moving up through our company has just been appointed to uh leading up one of our biggest um divisions and she's a massive you know advocate for women supporting women and you know really empowering and you know women uh through the leadership journey and empowering you and giving you a voice and being there and having your back. And I've really taken that to heart in the way that I try to lead is exactly that. You know, I feel that whether I'm, if I'm someone's direct manager, then I have your back. I'm going to support you, you know, obviously within reason, but I have your back. You know, I will be there to support you and there to do everything I can to, but I'm also not going to be that sort of, you do, you need to do this. This is it. There are times when you have to, of course, and there are certain situations. But again, it goes back to actually a more collaborative approach, having a more, you know, individual connection and really, again, um, women supporting women through leadership. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so important to be able to see that and be able to kind of see how that works in practice, see women there. Because, you know, um, years ago, I guess, you know, those women didn't have as, as many role models and we're lucky to start to see those coming through in many many areas now um which is which is brilliant um because it does take courage doesn't it to yeah to emulate some things that perhaps in some 
feel, feels a little bit different to how we've done things before. Absolutely. I, you know, I I look around, like, again, I feel so fortunate to be surrounded by these amazing, strong women who are so accomplished and so good at what they do, but also just so supportive of everyone coming through. And um, I want that. That is absolutely the type of leader that I aim to be. And, um, you know, again, you you have these times where you have you have to be strong you have to be saying well this is the direction we're going to take this is how we have to do this you know there is when you have you know key business things at stake etc but again it doesn't stop you even in those moments it doesn't stop you considering how the people around you are feeling how you're connecting with them emotionally because i know myself from the way i I, you know i react to being told something but then you know you there are different ways of telling people things as well and different ways of interacting. And I personally, you know, to have someone who's, who I feel is supporting me, and I know despite what I'm being told, I have I have to do this, or I haven't done this, or I'm getting feedback. Because that's also another important thing, is having self-awareness to be able to take and give feedback, but to have that in a safe space. So if you feel you have that safe space, then you trust that person, and then you will, you know, you can move forward together. It's so important, isn't it? It's just that key around actually having that relationship there with the people that you work with to be so that those things are less difficult to do yes um and 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 like you said modeling it back so say tell me give me some feedback you know um and uh yes yeah it's um yeah just letting that sink in it's great yeah <laughs> so i'm i'm really keen to understand what's kind of I guess my next question is around balance, but I, I, I guess I'm hesitating because balance between work and home, I don't think you ever really achieve that. Um, but how do you kind of do the work that you do and, and, and kind of are there for your family, your son and um, at those important times? How, how do you do that? It is difficult. And I know even outside the, the space and it is, often difficult to put down work and even more so in this place because it matters so much um but i think it's it is really important to take the take aspects i try to take the positive aspects through um so i have really regular conversations with my family and my son is really engaged in the topic you know he's going to my my husband's actually his teacher my husband is known in primary school He's known as the green guy and everyone goes to him. And it's not, it's not something that maybe he naturally would have done, but because I think I'm hoping some of the conversations we've had, because he genuinely cares, um, he takes that through. So we have that, we have that commonality to talk through, you know, that translates into home. My son um, was trying to set up clubs with his friends as they have an eco club at school and is totally engaged in that. So we, we do have those sort of commonality there on, on those topics. And I try to tone it down a little bit. So I think also it's an important part of a child's, you know, in education, there's a degree of realism. There's, you know, my son is very, very aware of the climate crisis. So we talk about these things, but also, you know, appreciating the joy. So taking, you know, the joy in nature and being outside and um, being able to sort of, it helps me moderate as well some of the emotions I feel going through work. And by really sort of taking a step back, a breath, looking at the world around you. Um, so, yeah, it's a challenge, but there are ways of balancing it. Um, and also, frankly, I, I run and um, that helps a lot. 
I get lots done in my head when I'm running and it also really helps with disconnecting all of, you know, from everything. And I also draw um, and, you know, really can get completely lost in, in art. And it's so again, it's really important, I think, to find those things that take you away from it, take away the intensity. But acknowledging as well that it's not also bad to have, you have to focus on your personal life as well because it goes back to what is your passion, what's driving you? And why are you doing what you're doing professionally? It's because it matters to you personally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting you talk about running as well. It almost feels like I've on and off been a runner myself. And it's sometimes you can get into that meditative place though, Cardi's yes. where it's, and you know, the feeling uh, once you're stood in a shower after you've had a run is, yeah, it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I'm my, I'm my most creative when I'm running. I can't with all sorts of ideas. I sometimes have to stop and write them down. And it's you know, <laughs> the best thinking is done on a long run. And it's 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 great. But also it just connects you with the world around you. I love going on the trails. So running fields, you know, go out first thing in the morning. I'll see foxes, I'll see deer, I'll see owls. And it just really gives you that sense of grounding and bringing you back to the world around you. So whether it's walking, whatever, and especially on like today, Black Friday, I think that's one of the things we can all do. Instead of buying, instead of consuming, go out into the world. <laughs> Go out into nature. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you've talked about so many different things that um, I'm sure many of the listeners can um, will take from this. I certainly am. But I guess I'm really keen to ask you this final question is, if you had to boil it down into one bit of advice that you would give somebody, um, what would that be? Oh, whiteness. <laughs> and I guess I mean yeah let me clarify that a little bit in the context of how we manage kind of the emotions how, what would you know what would you say if there's, there's one thing to try I think well I have the, definitely more than one but one of the things I've found to be incredibly helpful for me as I've made this transition as I'm trying to sort of think my way through frankly has been coaching so I'm working with a coach um, and she has given me the tools to be able to, you know, the answers are in you. And that that's one of the, the things I find an absolute joy going through the coaching is the answers are in, in you, whether it's you're looking for an action, how you're going to approach something, or whether you're looking even for how you're going to think about it and how you're going to even regulate an emotion. You know you have the answers there. We all do. But having a coach has really helped me to have someone who understands. You know, she's also in the sustainability space and just kind of so gets that aspect of it and acts as a great sounding board so it was my gift to myself really it is I really see it as a gift um, I know it's not necessarily in everyone's reach always financially but finding at least someone who you can use as a sounding board both professionally so really giving you very valid professional advice as well as then the other emotional support um, has been incredibly helpful yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Um, there's something special that happens when you get time to think through actually some of the scenarios that you find yourself in um, with coaching. So yeah, we've got, I could talk about loads. There's loads that I want to ask you. We could go on for another hour. Um, well, a few tangents. <laughs> Like, you know, this I've got loads of questions, but I guess keen to bring um, the interview now to a close and keep to our 30 minutes or so. But thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think I say that about every everybody that comes on the podcast, but it is 
genuinely um, a pleasure. And I'm sure many of our listeners have really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you for your time. Thank you very much. We've reached that time. It's the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you've heard and you want to reflect further on how you navigate the emotions of working in sustainability so that you can maximise your impact in this defining decade, why not take my quiz? You'll find it over on my LinkedIn profile. I've been your host, Francis Lee Rogers, and I'll see you next time on The Butterfly Effect.